Hey y'all, Pastor Emil here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, uh, but Jesus is sweeter. Tea and honey is sweet. Um, and whatever you got in your coffee thing, sorry about the... Uh, it's very sweet. Knowing how to work your new phone is sweet. Well, that is another thing, right? So like the volume <laughs> only adjusts certain things at yeah, certain times. Yeah, so. yeah. I've had an iPhone for... A decade, and I still haven't figured out what does what in different features with the volume. It's it's, it's almost confusing. too fancy sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, anyway, that isn't normally part of the intro. So uh, we talk about ice cream, we talk about uh, the honey and mm-hmm. everything. iPhones are sweet, sort of in in their own way. We'll see. I don't they know. I'm still yeah. still new to this, but Jesus, of course, is far sweeter, and that's ultimately what we're what we're here to talk about. We've been going through this sort of series, I guess, on what does it mean, Christianity 101, what does it all mean, what is life about, what is the Christian faith about, uh, why are we here, we've tried to answer all the different kinds of questions, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments, and we are actually finishing those up today, although when I was looking, there is the close of the commandments too, which we could talk about. That's pretty Uh, unique to Luther's approach. Um, I don't always get into it, um, but well, it, it can be helpful. I got some Kinda. ideas I'll run by afterward. But, right. Uh, right now, the Ninth and Tenth Commandments, they are actually printed on the same page in the catechism that I'm looking at, at least. Yeah. Right? So, because they're pretty much the same thing. But really, the Ten Commandments, no matter what you do with the Ten Commandments, you wind up with something like that. Either That's true. You shall have no other gods. You shall not worship a graven. Shall not have a graven image, right? Or make a graven Im- image. What was a graven image? It was a god. It was another god. It was an idol. Yeah. It was a, so an explanation of the first commandment is how I look at it exactly. Yeah. And then what's this? I don't know. They probably are better off together. I think so. You know, but yeah. who? Whatever. <laughs> You know, Ten Commandments, uh, 612, was it, or 613? Yeah, I think it was more than that. But the, the, uh, Around the time of Jesus, yeah. you know, they had created all these extra yeah. things. Uh, hey, whatever. I, I always remember, was it History of the World Part 1 with Mel Brooks comes down. <laughs> I bring you these 15. 15. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> Ten Commandments. You know, there's a part two online. I saw yeah. there's something coming out. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, who knew we'd be talking about uh, Mel Brooks? <laughs> Not Mel. No. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Mel Brooks. Mel, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, anyway, ninth and tenth commandments. <laughs> we're getting into this mm. where where it's very clearly now not just about outward actions. Mm. Very true. Not just about things to do and not do. It's about matters of the heart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we've talked about really the whole time things that are going on in our hearts. But but here it's putting it on all kinds of other stuff. Well, let me just read it, and then we can you can tell me what you think sure. and what you got going on in your head. Um, well, not everything you got going on in your head, but you know what I mean. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> The ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. 
and the Tenth Commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, or animals, or turn them against him, but urge them to stay and do their duty. So what do you got for us? Well, okay, so the key word in these commandments or this commandment, depending on how you look at it, is covet. You know, and as you pointed out, um, rightly so, this commandment really gets gets into the heart, you know, and, and what our motivations are. And so that's that's what we're examining with the question of coveting. And so the question then becomes, how do you define that? How do you define coveting? Um, I mean, I think, you know, we use synonyms, envy, or uh, I think lust is an appropriate sure. term that we it's could a good one. use for it. We, we use it primarily for sexual uh, desires, mm. unhealthy sexual desires. Um, but I think it, I think it applies here. You mentioned content. Did you say contentment? I don't think no, so. No, you didn't say I read it here then. That's no, what it was. Okay. God created us to be content yeah. with the gifts by which he sustains our life. I actually think that's better than what – I probably haven't thought of it that way. Mm. So you asked me what I think. I forget what I thought. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. Um, but but covet is to just to want something – that somebody else has probably because just because they have it. Yeah. And and so that's where I think that's where the difficulty I've I've had in teaching this commandment. Um I, I can say things when when I've taught it before about what it covers and what it means for us and people tend to smile and nod because they, they get it. They know the word to covet. Um but I think we kinda have a hard time distinguishing coveting from other kinds of wanting you know and so how do you get into that how do you unpack this idea of it is a kind of wanting but it is a is a, it's a kind of wanting that does damage you know i i mean i see stuff i want all the time you know, I was telling you when I showed up today, you know, a couple of things I was looking at. Maybe about a year from now, I'll be thinking about getting a new car. So when I drive anywhere, I'm looking at cars. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm checking them out, what features I like, what I don't like, you know, and things like that. And, you know, I'm thinking, man, okay, that one I like. I would I would get online and look up some details about that. You know, I like that. Maybe I want that car. Mm. Is that coveting? You know, I, I, it's, I, I think I'm planning for the future and just putting some forethought into something that's a big decision. So I, I don't know that it's necessarily causing me damage mm. in my relationships. No. Well, it could, but it especially would if it belonged to somebody else. Right. So where's the <laughs> threshold? Where's the threshold for this? Well, that's like, you know, back to lust again, just for a moment. There are some things with some actually Catholic friends of mine that mm. we had some conversations in this room about lust uh, maybe a year or year and a half ago. And one of the things that stuck out to me with, with their theological framework and the way they view it 
is that lust is basically looking at something and seeing it only for what you can get out of it, right? So you're looking at this person and what kind of satisfaction can this person, their body, whatever, yeah. bring to me and and removing it from the relational reality. Yeah, so that is, is this wanting getting in the way of me loving in a godly way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, this is particularly about wanting things that don't belong to you mm. and belong to other people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's certainly how Luther phrases it. Yeah, which really, I mean, I don't know if you've got some good examples for this. I I know of a few, but I they're not coming right mm. now. But there's something about seeing something or wanting something that someone else wants that makes it more desirable. Way more desirable, absolutely. You know? And you know, you s- suddenly you get it, mm-hmm. and you don't really want it anymore. Yep, yep. You know, yeah. Like, so far, the iPhone thing. You know, I was a little <laughs> jealous of people. I was coveting people with yeah. iPhones, but I, I know have, you've been staring at mine as long as I've been coming here. Uh, <laughs> no, no buyer's remorse just yet. Yeah. Couple well, little annoying things, but no, I, you know, like somebody, you know, like is coveting someone else's boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse, right? Mm. They get that person, they lure them away, they destroy the life that they had that, that this person had previously in the lives of all those they were connected to, and now they have them, and eh, you know, I'm not really, I don't really want all of that. Yeah. I just, it was It was just about the moment. It was about control. It was control. It, yeah. And something about we do have this desire, like, uh, in this broken, sinful world, we just like breaking stuff sometimes. Mm. Like, I don't think we think that way, mm. but just the way we behave, like, we kind of, we just have this tendency to break stuff. Yeah. We break our lives. Yeah. Right? We, Absolutely. We are the ones who make the most mess most of the time, so... Yeah, it's um it's interesting. I I uh an example of this that that as as you were reading um and you were talking about I think the 10th commandment and the enticement, you know. Uh something that popped into my head that <laughs> kind of made me laugh was uh we we have some friends uh that live near us that occasionally they'll go out of town and we we dog sit mm. for them. And they have this this little dog who's very sweet, and he'll come over, and he just he's he's wonderful to have for a couple of days. And I've I've gotten pretty close with this dog, and uh, I'll never forget one time after I we'd done this, and I the dog kind of got to know me. We went somewhere, and the guy was there with the dog, and um, he and I called the dog at exactly the same time, and the dog ran to me. And it was this very visceral sense of satisfaction <laughs> that I got out of that, and um, you know, and it's 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 kind of a goofy example, but I mean, it's also kind of a I think a microcosm of of how we we tend to look at our lives, yeah. you know, as you know, it's got to be about me somehow, you know. Something else that popped into my head, and I don't, re- I remember talking about it recently. It might not have been in here, might have been in a class I was teaching. Um, in C.S. Lewis, the Screw Tape Letters, mm. uh, there's a, a a chapter in there that deals with the the main the main figure in this book, his mother, and 
what's said about her is that she is a glutton. But it doesn't mean she overconsumes. The example that's given is that she's the kind of person who will go out for tea and someone will offer her a slice of cake. And when they cut it, she'll have to send it back and say, no, 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 I need a smaller piece. Mm. And and that was described as a kind of gluttony. And, and the idea behind it is that the things we consume eventually start to consume us in mm-hmm. one way or another. It, it's not what we do with it necessarily. It's about how we think about it and what's in our hearts. You know, so I think I think coveting really kind of speaks to that as well. Well, and I don't think coveting is necessarily just about um, wanting things that other people have, you know, right? So like this, mm. when the stuff that we have starts to consume us, I think we live in a culture that is – I'm not knocking capitalism, okay? <laughs> But the realities of the way that it works in our system yeah. is, you know, you're constantly bombarded with people trying to sell you stuff. Well, it's the solution. That the is- solution to your boredom, your loneliness, your struggle, just get something. Yeah. This thing will satisfy you in a way. It's um, – goodness, I, I don't know about you and your family, but during the shutdown three mm-hmm. years ago – when we couldn't experience much of the world and we were stuck at home, that Amazon button on my phone <laughs> got a lot of use. Yeah. And we wound up with a lot of weird stuff <laughs> at home. That, we, we were a little busy moving. That's true. Yeah, that was a difficult time <laughs> yeah, for you. So, yeah. So much for uh, shutdown, stay yeah, at home yeah. order. We just moved our home. Yeah. So we stayed in a different yeah. home. But um, yeah, no, but that's that's very true. It's yeah. Very, a very common uh, experience. So you're not alone with that. And you know, there is something about just getting something that does feel mm-hmm. a little bit good. You know, just that's why shopping can be an addiction. Spending oh, absolutely. Money can be an addiction, just like absolutely. Because there is a, a sense of satisfaction, all that kind of stuff. But um, we're we're constantly enticed into coveting because mm. someone is always trying to make a profit in their business, sell a product, right? Yeah, Pro- yeah. Product or service. And the way you do that is by meeting a need. The best way to do that psychologically, social, uh, you know, understanding human behavior and all that kind of stuff is say, hey, what's a problem that you have? How can I help you solve that problem or meet a need that you have, right? And and so they're constantly doing that. They, of course, use all these other enticing things too like i think actually in seminary they may have actually showed us this commercial in a class on preaching or something like that it was a commercial for a, a hardy's i think it's hardy's burger oh with um <laughs> there's some chick like wasn't it like paris hilton or somebody i don't know who it was i could i know you. exactly the commercial you're talking about scantily clad yeah right and just being what, what very like leaning up against a car sexual, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then like at the very last second, she takes a bite out of a burger or something. Yeah. And you're like, Wait, oh. this was about a burger. <laughs> 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 so they use those kinds of tactics. Oh, absolutely. Too, they, they put all of that association together 
to try to get us to want in a way that we probably don't need to want. I mean, oh, the, absolutely. You know, desire in the Bible is not always a bad thing, but it's like desire the greater gifts. Right, exactly. Not these things. You know, it. what you were just describing, I think there's another tactic that is commonly used, and I think it ties, as Luther has it here, these two commandments together. You know, because I think a lot of people, when you explain the ninth commandment this way, a lot of people are easily get on board. They're like, okay, I can definitely see how that's, you know, impacted my life. You start talking tenth commandment, and I think people might uh, run into a little bit of problem understanding where that intersects with their lives because they don't think about their lives in those terms, you know, that I'm intentionally trying to entice away my neighbor's wife or dog, you know, um, or whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to see ourselves in those. But I think one of the greatest marketing techniques that, uh, people have tapped into is what we see online, especially in social media. And that is stacking your life up against someone else's. Mm -hmm. You know, this person has a great life because they have this car or whatever. Don't you want to be like this person? Don't you want to have their life? And when we start to look at our neighbors and their, their lives, you know, their family life, you know, gosh, they all look so satisfied and happy. Man, that's that's what I want. I want that life. I want to be that person. Mm. You know, we don't rarely, if ever, articulate that to ourselves. But that's what's behind, I think, a lot of behavior. Yeah. Know? Well, and again, our culture facilitates this because it is, you know, as you were talking about the difference between the ninth and tenth, you know, the tenth to me seems more like, threatening their livelihood like it's almost like as a business right because you had servants you had animals and this was how you created uh you know you know provided for yourself your family your descendants all that kind of stuff and so i started thinking about okay like enticing workers away Mm. right like hey here's a here's a hot shot coder we were talking about coding yeah right I don't know anything about coding. <laughs> well, next to nothing about coding. But hey, if you're running a business and you need someone to to work computer code, you want to find the best you can. Sure. And so you're going to try them away. You're, that literally how this is how it works. Our site is set up and to break this and, in a and sense. we're good with it. It's it's <clears throat> economic darwinism, right? Yeah. You know? It, it does seem to work really well. It, it's very, <clears throat> very effective. effective. Yeah. But here's the, the danger. In one sense, it's good that it provides freedom and opportunity for the worker in that sense. Yeah. Right? But the danger is, of course, that, you know, what we talked about earlier, like you're just enticing them just to entice them. But when they get there, they're going to go, oh, man, this is awful. Yeah. This sucks so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back. Yeah. Right? The grass isn't always greener. And if you're enticing just to entice and you can't back it up and support mm. what you're promising or all that all that other kind of stuff, uh, it's really mm. just a recipe for disaster. That's true. Because now you're coveting what you had. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, the word contentment is a good place for us to go because, Mm. you know, I do find myself, and I don't know that anyone's doing it to me either. Like, I don't know that it's the culture. I don't know that it's, you know, economic Darwinism or anything like that. I think we are just naturally wired as human beings, which is why we have the system that we have in this country is because it's trying to play into the natural wiring within human beings. Uh, And if we're all kind of looking out for ourselves sort of and we have freedom to do that, then it tends to work well. But you find yourself just discontent about the stupidest things. You know, you got all kinds of junk that you're worried about that you wish could be better and then you forget what you already have. And, you know, I've been guilty of that. That's probably one of my biggest faults is just constantly looking ahead instead of being in the moment. Yes. And then I I forget what it was recently that really kind of got my attention, but I've started to be like, I really have like a lot of what I've wanted. Mm. So why am I so discontent? Yeah. 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 It's, it, you know, we talk about contentment a lot, or we should be talking a lot of, about it a lot, in, you know, in the church and in in the message of our you know relationship with the Lord. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of people take just sort of on a proverbial, you know, uh, position. But really and truly, I think that's it's all of us. And you know, why? It, there's is the world. Involved in that, yes, um, but maybe not so directly. I think the world has sort of done its job of programming us to just intuitively think that way so that we go seeking the things that we covet. They don't have to come chasing us. Well, but, but the world is discontent too. Sure, sure, exactly. And I think that's really what it – you know, there's uh, – Tim Keller had a great sermon on this at one point. He uh, talked about this idea of homelessness, like this feeling. He had some crazy German philosopher he quoted to, which I don't know who the heck any of those people are, but it sounds really smart and it makes me feel smart when I listen to it, you know. Uh, but th- then he he just really talked about this idea that we are not in a place that can ever make us content. Yeah. So in some sense, the, the battle for contentment is a, a permanent one this side of eternity. Absolutely. So, so it's one you don't ever fully satisfy. We talked about this with satisfaction a while right. back. Right. Right. We're just – nothing is ever going to work perfectly right. And even if it does, it'll only be for a little while, and then something will happen and derail it. Like my garbage do- disposal and my thermostat. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but not just that, but people, right? Mm. Like, and and systems and groups of people, you get this, like, sort of, um, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but you, you just get a good vibe and everything seems to be kind of firing on all cylinders and you're on cruise control and then all of a sudden you're not on cruise control anymore. Yeah. That idiot pulled out in front of you and you got to slow down <laughs> or you got to go around or you get right. Like you just – you never have something long enough 
working long enough, doing what it's supposed to do long enough to really set your heart on it or to set your hopes in it. And I think God is okay with that because he wants us to be content in him. Right. Like he is the one yes. that brings contentment. It's, well, it, it's interesting that, you know, the, the close of the commandments and the opening of the commandments, you know, just form this perfect arc, you know, because if – we found contentment in all the things that we've been chasing in this life, then we would have no use for God. They would replace him Mm -hmm. as our gods. But I think even framing it that way makes God out to be the bad guy in the sense that, so Mm. God made us this way so that, you know, like... We're just never going to be content. He's just like punishing us or something right. like that. And I don't think it's quite that. I think he made us for himself. He made us in his image. And, and he is the source of our life and right. everything. And without him, we just don't work right. Right. And Not then, because he's trying to be tricky about right. it. Just because this is the way it is. Like and then, a fish doesn't live outside of water. The fish lives in water. We made the world this way. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the ones who screw so, everything up in the world. Yeah, so we're chasing our tails uh, for something that has uh, been promised to us and that is provided for us daily. You know, uh, it just sometimes we're too blind to see it. I've I've had moments of clarity. You know, especially the older I get, um, I, I I get more and more perspective on this and. I have tried to integrate it into my outlook, and one of the ways that I've, I'm doing that is in my daily prayers, um, kind of cataloging the ways that God has provided for my life today mm. and what I'm grateful for, you know, and also being aware, outwardly so, in my prayers of the things that I might not have tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, yeah, and and how quickly and the people whose lives have changed so quickly that I know um, how quickly my own can change. Yeah, we've had a lot of that in uh, at Open Arms lately. Just people dealing with stuff. <clears throat> I think I think you probably are aware of this. Maybe folks are aware or not uh, at home. December was just like terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, we had uh, a funeral. Someone who who died near the end of November. A funeral was in uh, the heart of December. Older guy, you know, in his nineties, sort of expected, but still, no matter how expected it is, you're just looking at what the world lost, right? Right, and so there's that guy, and then there's oh, a forty year old guy drops dead. Mm leaving behind four kids, and and I'm like, I'm 41. (laughs) Close to home? Yeah, I actually had uh, heart issues, congenital heart issues. So what I'm told, I'm in fantastic health at this point. It's all been repaired, but still. Uh, And then, you know, 47-year-old mom dies, Mm. right? Tragically dies, not like... A long bout of cancer, not like anything expected, just 
um, gone. And uh, very recently now, we've got somebody here at Open Arms that's been struggling with cancer. She's uh, in her 50s. They're just getting ready to retire well together right off into the sunset. And now, you know, she's kind of in her last days. Um, So it should make us reflect on what we already have. (laughs) It (laughs) It it, doesn't always. Well, it it makes me think about actually um, uh, the text I'm developing right now for my sermon this Sunday is John chapter 9. The whole chapter, you know. That's all. The uh, One story. Yeah, it is. Hard um, to take it apart. You know, Jesus heals a man who's blind, and, and it's kind of the story of everything, you know, that happens after that. But I'm zeroing in on the very first couple of verses where Jesus passes this man on the street, this poor blind guy. He's probably just sitting there with his hand out, and he kind of notices him. And then the disciples notice Jesus noticing and they, they look at it, and they see this tragic figure. You know, it's, man, there's nothing any of us could have done. You know, he was born that way. You know, how do you make sense of that? And their question to Jesus is, who sinned that God decided that needed to happen? Who's the jerk? Who's, Who's the, the idiot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm kind of developing that question they ask because we, we don't say that. Now, we don't look at a tragic figure and say, you know, who screwed up, you know, to make that happen? Mm. We have a different way of asking it. Why do bad things happen? Yeah. It's the same question, you know, and then Jesus answers it. He gives this very concise, direct answer to their question so that the works of God can be seen in him. And I, what I'm kind of talking about is how stinking unsatisfying an answer that is. <laughs> you know, nobody's filing that one away as answered. Yes. Yes. Thanks, Jesus. Finally, some clarity. Um, but and, and the reason is we, we have to look for blame. We have to look for fault. We got to look for a reason other than the simple goodness of God. Hmm. To, to that light to be found in the darkness and and it's that's what makes this so difficult for us you know to understand those those why questions you know? I actually talked about that last Sunday mm. and last night mm. at um, confirmation going through the first article of the Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty make of heaven and earth what do we believe well, he made everything, and he still takes care of it. Protects me, provides me everything I need. Protects me from all danger. Really? You buy that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was talking. Yeah. And so, what about suffering? Yeah. What do we do about that? And the reality is, is that while we don't have the most satisfying answers that, or or answers that we wish we had. Mm. Christianity provides better answers. Oh, absolutely. In fact, you can't really get upset about it without first believing that there is a God. Well, and, you know, the, the, the cap to that story about the blind man who was healed is that, you know, he, he goes around and nobody else is happy yeah. about what happens to him. <laughs> Everybody else is like, why aren't you blind anymore? His parents aren't even His happy pal, about it. Boy, those two out. train wrecks. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, the, the religious leaders are yelling at the guy, and he's, and he's content. He's like, I don't know. 
this dude came out of nowhere. Um, he spit on me, which was kind of weird. And then <laughs> now I can see, and I'm content. Yeah. I'm happy. That is the works of God that is demonstrated in him, his contentment, wow. his, his, his joy, yeah. you know, with, with the new life he's been given. And that's all God asks of us is to just receive what he gives and, and be happy and, and joyful in the life that we have. Well, and this really ties back to the first commandment in, you know, kind of the yeah. direction we're heading here. <clears throat> we're we're looking for something in these things that they cannot provide. That's right. And and it's not God being a jerk. It's that God is God. Yeah. And it's it's who God is that actually brings new life, satisfaction, contentment, all that kind of stuff. When you look at the very end, right? We we in churches, particularly in funerals, this hope that we give of no more weeping, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. It appears in Isaiah, Isaiah twenty five, but also Revelation twenty one is essentially right. quoting Isaiah. Isaiah. That's right. And if you read those first few verses, it it recites those, but then it talks about. Oh, actually, I forget the. I think actually the order is first we find out what happens, mm. and then we find out the fulfillment, which is there will be no more weeping or crying or pain, right? Uh, and the order is God shows up to dwell with man. It actually says the dwelling place of God will be with, with man. man. Yeah. So the new heavens, the new earth are coming down out of heaven. God is returning to His temple. This like the creation actually is. His temple, I heard some things about uh, when you look at Genesis in the creation account, it's God creating a temple. We are the image bearers. Yeah. Not some carved thing that everyone else is using, but like real living breed. Like this is how cool God is. God doesn't have little stones in, in places, right? He has living, breathing things that actually do things like he does That's things. Right. So, so he returns once – you know, it's been his temple's been purged of the impurity yeah. of sin and and death and all this other kind of stuff, and it's his presence. I think what what the scriptures are telling is his presence is actually what leads to no more suffering, no more pain, no more dying. Absolutely, that is what does it, and so we have access to that presence now in a now not yet way, right? So we have it, and yet it's not yet fully realized. We have a foretaste of the feast to come. When we when we pray, when we focus on God and the gifts that he's given us, when we recount his deeds, talk about how wonderful he is, talk about how he healed our, sure. our blindness, right? That is what ultimately brings contentment. The Psalms are full of that, about how the psalmist is just going to tell the world about everything he's That's done. That's right. All his great works. That is actually what brings, I think, helps bring contentment. I think so. Yeah, I like I like that you tied those images together. I've Over the years, I've come to um, understand the beginning and the end of the Bible uh, as two points – not on a on a linear narrative that are far away from each other, but two points at the end of a circle that mm. are right back to each other. I think what is promised in that last chapter is a return to the garden. I think that's where we've been headed ever since we stumbled out of it. Mm. 
and I think that that presence, that re, that that reunion of the perfect fellowship that we were created, that this world was created to accommodate, I think that is what is promised. You know, yeah. So, and it's even better. Oh yeah, like not just Eden, but somehow. Yeah, even two point oh. And what we get to experience now, you know, if you go back to to Genesis after the fall, after Adam and Eve lost the garden, immediately the narrative picks up with Eve conceiving a child. Okay, life. Mm-hmm. Uh, how God provides for them, how He's he, he, they may be stumbling around, but He's not absent. He's looking out for them. You know, he's providing for their children, you know, even at the lowest points of their lives. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of the existence that 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 we that we live in until until that garden is opened up to us again. Finding contentment in the only things, only thing, only person that we really can allows us to find contentment in lots of other things. That's right. Uh, that we have, but always looking forward to the full realization of what we what we need that that full satisfaction that we're looking for. Always kind of going through life feeling as if we're a little bit like that homelessness, like we're just not quite where we should be, where we want to be. That's actually okay. It's just not okay to let that dominate. And to get frustrated by it because you can't change it. Right. If you if you try to satisfy it with any of the things in these two commandments, any this list, or anything else not on the list expressly uh, put here in the list, it's just going to move you on to the next thing. Yeah. It's going to move you on to the next thing. Well, the things that are described in these in these commandments, they're they're drugs. You know, they're things that live up to their promise for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then they don't, and now you're unsatisfied again. So you have to repeat this cycle of chasing and and seeking and finding, and every time you repeat the cycle throughout your life, that that moment of satisfaction just gets paler and paler. You know? Well, it's like drugs. Yeah, exactly. Your tolerance builds up. You need more and more of those things. I mean, you got to get that fixed quicker and quicker. We are the wealthiest nation on the planet. People have so much junk that, I mean, we don't even need it. We don't even hardly use it. It doesn't even last for very long. You know. And and we're the most unsatisfied people in history. <laughs> the most uh, disgruntled and. Oh, whatever. yeah. You know what? We, we were talking about these things, our phones earlier, and what they do. You can I can open up my phone here and get on the internet and ask any question and find an answer to it. A couple of hundred years ago, kingdoms would have been given for that kind of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what do we use it for? Playing video games. If I play Mario Kart, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Oh. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it really speaks to where we are and, and what we're seeking. Humans suck. Yeah, I'm telling you, so man. so awful. 
great philosopher Jerry Seinfeld. People, <laughs> they're the worst. <laughs> and yet they are would make life most satisfying. Right? That's we're right. talking about all the things that we're missing out on because we're not in the moment. We're not enjoying who we have while we have them. You know, my wife, my kids particularly been thinking about that a lot. They grow so fast, mm. you know, and I better be nice to my nicer to my wife because uh you know, it's just going to be the two of us. <laughs> I hope she doesn't look and go, "Wait, I married him?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, we uh we're we're getting there. We have one who's out of the house and and one who's, you know, in high school. We just got a few years left and you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's um, and and I'm I'm grateful for the time we have and but yeah it it makes you realize how fast it all flies by, you know. Well, and even back to our our conversation, right? If you make your life all about your kids, even yeah, they're leaving. That's right. And then they're going to spend twenty years trying to figure out, you know, what they went through the first eighteen mm-hmm. or so, and uh, you know maybe you'll see him again. You know, I think um, what we are called to do here is to be better stewards of what our God has provided us with in this life and how he sustains this life. Mm. And if we are good stewards of those gifts, then other people's gifts don't really take on much meaning. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I've definitely found myself thinking about this and doing it all wrong, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about what I might have instead of thinking about what I do have. Yeah. yeah what absolutely. I feel like I need or want and then winding up uh, missing out on what is already here. So uh, it's it's actually, this is again, grace. God is telling us some things here, not to, Smack us upside the head, be like you idiots! I'm going to make your life miserable. I'm going to say you can't want anything that anybody else has. No, he's saying, "Come on, guys! <laughs> I made you. I know how it's supposed to work. I know how you're wired. Okay, I'm intimately involved with with that whole process of forming you. Okay, you are going to be way happier. <laughs> yes, if you can just find contentment." And and actually, you know, we didn't even talk about this yet. Have you ever been to really poor places in the world? I don't know if you've ever. Um, not not in a in a direct one on one exchange. Okay. I, I'm sort of observing and driving through some places. Yes. Well, maybe you can back this up. I I don't know, but I've been to. Uh, I was in Guatemala. Mm. I was in Haiti twice. I think Guatemala Guatemala only once. But every time, I mean, you're meeting people that have nothing. Mm. You know, like you, you show up and you see the, the little village that they have is kind of a mess. Yeah. Uh, and, and And then you think about what happened last night while you were safe in your hotel, even though you complained about your hotel, right? Like man, this is not like a hotel I'm used to. Like, mm-hmm. These are some interesting accommodations. You know, we paid $15 for the hotel. 
but you know and it was a bed like yeah. an actual bed and there was running water and there was all these things that we're used to having but it was a little you know and then you go and you visit these people and you you realize oh that that rain and that thunder and lightning that woke me up last night that I was all upset about and cranky about washed out their home mm-hmm. like came underneath the sticks that they had holding up their little hut and washed away whatever possessions they may have had and almost their children, right? And they had to go find a place. And, and, and we had act, we were there because a group of us, a group of churches had, had made uh, sizable collective donations to build several concrete, sturdy homes in this little village. And multiple families were huddled together in those few houses just to make sure that their kids didn't wash away. And I was complaining about, mm. yeah. You know, and and here these people are like the happiest people, well, in the world. And and it's it jumped out at me when you said you 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 walk into this environment and you see these people who have nothing. By our standards, they have nothing, mm-hmm. you know, because we can never have enough, <laughs> you know. So when we look at people who don't count on having as much as we want it's very disorienting and confusing yeah you know um but you know there's definitely something to it that you know not uh pursuing as much as others gives you a different perspective you know even here in this country i remember years ago um hearing a statistic uh on the radio it may have changed since then but Mississippi, you know, where I live, was for like 15 years in a row ranked lowest per capita income in the country and highest per capita charitable giving. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, and I, I think you do see that, you know, especially in our profession, you know, where we, we're kind of attuned to this sort of um, uh, participation um, in different congregations and different environments, you've probably seen it, you know. Yeah. You don't need a whole lot. Uh, you, you may need some things, right? We, we need a certain amount of things. And, mm-hmm. and let's be honest, just because we live where we live, we do need, in a sense, more than – others to right? to have a a functional life you know in the sense that we're used to sure absolutely Th- there is nowhere for hundreds of miles uh from where we are right now that you could survive without a vehicle oh that's true right i mean so you're talking about a car before do you need that c- car specifically that you're thinking about maybe not you need all those add-ons maybe not uh but you got to get a car mm-hmm. and so you may as well consider those things right yeah New York City is one place. You know, I'm I'm from Long Island originally. New York City actually, I mean, mass transit is a thing. Right. And it's pretty helpful. Uh, it saves a lot of aggravation, a lot of time, you know, uh, in, in some ways saves you some money on gas depending on how high gas prices are and how high the, the, the weekly or monthly passes are, you know. Uh, but you can't do that here. And you can't do that in many places, actually. So, okay, so we need a car. Uh, 
there aren't places that will let you have little huts. <laughs> That's true. I mean, they'll be like, whoa, 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 we got to, I mean, it's yeah. just our culture at this point. So you sort of need a house with four walls and a slab at least, you know. So it's, you know, trying to, I, I just say that so that we don't beat ourselves up too much. Um, yeah, we, you know, our, <laughs> um, the, the romantic notions of poverty can become idols, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like you were talking about the, the idea with the screw tape. Right, exactly. Uh, the, the, you know, I, I'm being so yes holy and pious and and no yeah. no no take it back yeah but i think the the issue there was I, I haven't read that in a while but just hearing about it and thinking about it again the issue is she did it every time in front of people exactly so that she could get you know she could get sort of a a, a dopamine hit she could get you know, the drug, right? She's the getting high. this like, ah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's the word I was looking for. A high off of, hey, everybody, look at how non-gluttonous I am mm. for food. But boy, am I gluttonous for praise. That's right. The praise of people and yeah. and the uh, the accolades of human beings, right? Like that's something. And, and we can do that by forcing ourselves into poverty. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't know that we need to do that. In I fact, believe, I believe that's called, called a martyr complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but I feel like we could have more, or at least more resources, and also therefore be more able to bless others. Sure. Uh, there was actually a book I read. Uh, I forget when it was. This guy, the wealth conundrum, I think is the name of the book. I think I've come across it's that a little one. little little book. Yeah. Uh, old, maybe 15, 20 years, not old, old, but mm. like not anytime recently. And this guy kind of makes the case like, hey, basically God gave me this ability to know how to make like billions of dollars in investing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, for a long time I was basically like, well, this is wrong. And then I said, no, well, God just wants me to do right with it. And he actually does some pretty astounding things. Like he's like, I made all this money and then God's like, well, give it away. And so he gave it all away, <laughs> but then he kept making the money. It's like, okay, well, I do think that God works through people to, to elevate uh, or to raise more resources. I mean, God can certainly just do it, but yeah, you know, we're Lutheran. We know God works through stuff. He works through people. <laughs> right, he works yes. it right. Like so. Yeah. So certainly he could, and in some cases it feels like he does. But he's going to use people like this guy. Sure. He's going to people use people like the people in our congregations and other congregations that are gifted in in these ways. And the response is not more stuff. Right. You know the response is okay. Yeah. Remember that it's not like. Hey, 10%, you know, people talk a lot about tithing, right? right? It's not like 10% and then no matter how much you make, it's just as long as you're doing 10%. No, actually, like, you have made so much, like it's an ungodly amount of money, pardon right. the expression, yeah. you know, but maybe you only need 40% of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where, where's the other 60% yeah. going? You, you don't need... All this other stuff, and this isn't a compulsory. 
no thing freely. It, it is. Yeah. It, it's where is your heart? Yeah, that's, and that's the question these commandments ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's your heart at? So, don't love nothing that can't love you back. Mm. Guy down the hall said that to me. Not smart that long guy. Ago. Definitely a smart guy. So. Yeah. So have we exhausted this? Have I we think we have. Enlightened people. And your listeners now know everything they need to know about the Ten Commandments and never have to uh, never have to broach this subject again, right? Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they got a long way to go. So there's um, – oh, I got, I got a Bible app here. I, I've been wanting to read this. And maybe just before we go, it's in Philippians. Okay. I believe it's Philippians 4 where, where Paul, who's in prison, is talking about contentment. Right? And, of course, we've got rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Mm. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. Um. And then, you know, bringing everything to him in prayer. And then he talks about God's provision. I rejoiced in the Lord. This is verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Mm. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. That's what we're talking about here at the end, right? Knowing how to have nothing and how to have everything abounding, right? In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yeah. Right? So this isn't like I can go knock out my opponent quite possibly right? one of the most misunderstood verses in the entire bible uh you know i mean in the context of that verse is man you're gonna have some good days and you have some bad days That's right and you're gonna learn how to be content no matter what the situation That's right of course he's talking about after that it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, right? So he's talking about this partnership and giving and receiving and sharing and all that kind of stuff and sort of ends it off. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So just uh, maybe something to close it out that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you can be, you should be, you will feel a lot better if you are content. Yeah. So. That's that, that that's why we do this. That's why we're engaged in our faith to because it is a learned thing. That's that's the point Paul was making there. You mm-hmm. know, um, and I not, have learned. Yeah. Yeah, and not all of us, not all of us are there. You know, and sometimes we get there and then we backslide and we need to be reminded, you know, and and that's why we stay engaged. I have learned how to be brought low. Mm. Yeah. God has a way of bringing us low again. Yeah. 
Well, you know, th- th- there's a lot of ways I can be brought low, you know, and, and there's ways I can do it to myself. There's ways the, the world can do it. And then there's God's way. And, and only one of those really strengthens me in the end. Mm. So. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, all great to be with you. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this. We may be talk, taking a look at the uh, close of the commandments next time. I got to talk with uh, our buddy Brock here after we shut off the mics. And and then after that, who knows, maybe the uh, the Apostles' Creed or I don't know what. But we'll figure something out. Hope you've enjoyed this. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, do all those wonderful things. And uh uh, you're looking for gratitude, ways to be grateful. Uh, my wife is, I, I can put in a little plug, I think, right? She's got these gratitude journals out there uh, on Amazon. I've got a uh, Sweet Jesus Tacos Prayer Journal. Tacos is an acronym for thinking through praying. And the first, the T is, what are you thankful for? So gratitude there. Hmm. So, So we've tried to put that into a lot of these things. Uh, but uh, take a take a look, check it out. You can search Emil Gretterson, Heather Gretterson on uh, Amazon, and hope to catch up with you again real soon. God bless you. We'll see you.